from PRX, this is Orbital Path, a show about the cosmos and our place in it. I'm Michelle Thaller. Oh, we do like the hot tub. Oh, I feel good in a sec. Yeah. <laughs> No, um, not many people in Maryland have hot tubs. No, no. It's a little little bit unusual. But but the the only thing we need to say is that the last place we lived was California. Los Angeles. And everybody goes, oh, okay, that's why you have a hot tub. Yeah. This is me and Andrew Booth, my husband. Hello. Uh, Andrew is also a physicist and an astronomer. And we end up here most nights. Uh, We we have a glass of wine, we relax. Glass of Chardonnay. When I met you, you were actually really good at building certain types of instruments. So yeah, when we met, I was building what's called an interferometer. That's right, yeah. yeah. Even the word, I mean, spelling that is just yeah, hell. Yeah, so. I, I, I can't spell it. Yeah. It comes <laughs> from the word interfere. Yes, it comes from the word interfere. So, interferometer. And it, it's about taking two telescopes, you bring the light together, and you make the light interfere. So the light beam from each telescope, you interfere the light together. And what it gives you is effectively a telescope that's as big as how far apart your two telescopes are. And that's really important because astronomers are building bigger and bigger telescopes, and the reason we want bigger telescopes... Well, there's two reasons. (laughs) Okay, do tell. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, there's there's the obvious reason, which is that the bigger the telescope, the more light you collect, so the dimmer the thing you can look at. Yeah, you can look at very, very dim, distant objects. Right, but there's another reason for for building a really big telescope, which is that the bigger the telescope you build, the more detail you can see on the thing you're looking at. I mean, in, yeah. in a way, like the smaller the pixels are in your image. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, so yeah. The, the the diameter of your telescope is is actually a direct relationship to yes. the clarity. The clarity of your yes, image. Of your yes, image. That's right. Yes. And uh, and so you know you are able to link more than one telescope together, and you yes. basically fool them into thinking. You fool them. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's a good way of putting <laughs> the, the, it. You fool them. One big telescope. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and that's yeah. really powerful. Yeah. But you know, I, I kind of am attracted by weird stuff. Yes. I like going down the rabbit hole. I like, I like seeing how strange reality can turn out to be. And interferometry does require the universe to behave in some strange ways. It does, absolutely, yes. So I think we need to back up and talk about light. What What is what light? What is light? Yes, yeah. that's right, yeah. So, and light's a very complicated and strange thing. It, <laughs> it is. turns out, yeah. It turns out, and we didn't know this, right? At, at the start, Newton did experiments on mm-hmm. color, sure, right? Yeah. Um, but he couldn't really explain why why those different colors existed in light. He passed white light through a prism yes. and noticed that a rainbow came out. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it wasn't really until like the last years of the 19th century when Maxwell actually realized that there was this thing called electromagnetism, which was the first time we actually linked two forces together, right? right? Electricity mm-hmm. was one force. And magnetism was another force, mm-hmm. and they didn't—they don't obviously have the same properties, but it turns out they do have the same properties, and and you can describe them in mathematics, right? One equation can describe them all, and it turns out that that equation describes light as a wave, and so we get this idea that light's a wave, right? and and that explains the colors. The different colors are different frequencies of the wave. Right. So, so there's there's like a wave that's a, a slower wave. Like yeah. If, if I wish that's, to do that's a red. Yeah. Color. And yeah. then a, a, a blue. Yeah. It's 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 a higher <laughs> frequency. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it's so colors are all the same thing. They're all yeah. light. They're just yeah. di- they're just different, different energies. Energy and yeah. yeah. And it turns out frequency and energy are the same thing. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's interesting. So then we have this idea that light's a wave, right? And but but there are other things that light does that 
are not able to be explained by it being a wave. And you know, one of the interesting things is, where did Einstein get his Nobel Prize uh, for? Ah, yeah, he didn't yeah, get it for relativity. He didn't get a re- Nobel no, Prize for relativity. No. He got a Nobel Prize for explaining that light also acted like a particle, That's an right. actual a little thing, bullet. a little yeah. bullet that <laughs> hits things, right? And when that little bullet hits things, you get a force that moves things and knocks things out. It was called the photoelectric effect, That's right? right? It, it, light hitting a plate, a metal plate, and electrons being thrown out right. from the plate. And Einstein was able to explain this. And this was the beginning of quantum mechanics. Right. And so light is both a wave, because it does behave like a wave, and it's also a particle. And one of the interesting things about the uh, interferometry that I worked on was that it's very easy to explain the interferometric properties of light if you just think of it as a wave. Right? Well, Yes, yes, right. It's a ripple, yes. right? It's a ripple, yeah. And so, it, and, you know, and the two waves come in through the two telescopes, or at least it's the same wave coming right. in through the same two telescopes. So there's two light waves, and yes. they're both forming ripples. Yes. And as I'm doing this right here, I've got yes. my, my two hands are actually making. Yes, and it works with water. Yeah. It does. So it works with water. There yeah. Are, there are waves that are coming together. Yeah. And so as these waves come together, there's a crest of the wave and a trough of the wave. There's a high yes. point and a yes. low point. And the idea of interference is if two crests come together, they build up to a big crest. Right. But if a trough and a crest come together, they cancel out, and and you get nothing. So you get this big or nothing, big or nothing. So out of your out of your two waves, yeah. So you can right, get light yes. to interfere with itself yes. because the waves will either add together yes. or they'll cancel each other out. Yes. And you can use this technique to actually trick two telescopes yes, to think to, they're to one, think big they're one big telescope. But then you go and you say, but ah, light is not necessarily just a wave. Light is, in fact, also a particle it is. So the thing that gets kind of weird here is that somehow you need to make a single particle of light. Yes, a photon, a single photon. Go through two, two, two different telescopes Two telescopes at, at the same time, yes. Okay. <laughs> and they, those telescopes can be really long way apart, half a mile apart, right? And how do you get this, the photon to go through both of those telescopes together? This is something that we've talked about because, you know, I mean, one of the things that I, I love about you, you're a very careful scientist and you're on, you're on the conservative side. You don't lo- like yeah. going down these weird, you know, leaps of reason that I sometimes love myself. Yeah. But, you know, people have interpreted this result in a number of kind of mind-blowing ways because there's a single particle of light that la- left a star many, many trillions of miles away. Oh, yeah. And, and years ago. And yeah. yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. And... The thing is, is that somehow that single particle of light does in fact go through both telescopes at the same time. Yes. And... It truly does. Because if it didn't, <laughs> it wouldn't work. So here's the problem, right? I mean, I mean, your instruments do work. You, they you, do they, work, they actually, yeah. You actually do get this they light really, really to go do through work. it. You actually yeah. do get your, your, right. your data out of that. Yeah. So some people have interpreted this, and I, I, I kid you not, as this being an example of parallel universes, of different yes. realities. Yes. The multiple universe. Idea. The multiple universe. That there's yeah. a universe, there's a reality where the light went through one of your telescopes, and there's a reality where the light went through the other telescope. Mm-hmm. And your result requires those universes to kind of be fuzzy. Yes, and overlap a little bit. To kind of overlap a little bit. Yeah, right. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, sorry, I don't like it. <laughs> you know, well, what you've offered in response to that, which I think is also lovely, is yeah. you said, okay, we live in a universe where very strange things happen. Yes. We, we, we simply live in a universe where a particle of light can be two places at once. Yes. And can actually interact with two different telescopes at the same time. That's right. That's right. Yes. And that, you know, that's what the mathematics of quantum mechanics says, but it's not satisfying 
I mean, I'm thinking of the time you were working in Hawaii. You, know, you, you, you were up, up at 14,000 feet. Oh, yes. Uh, at Mauna Kea, the Keck yes. telescopes in Hawaii. Yes. And you were trying to get these two giant telescopes to catch that same damn particle of light. Yes. At the same time. That's right. And that means controlling distances to a billionth of a meter. You a made, billionth of a yard. You made an instrument yeah. that had little railroad tracks. Yeah. The, the railroad tracks were about 80 meters long, right? Yes, they were. Yes, that's right. And, and, and you had to be able to set these little carts. Yes. Accurate to what? And moving, moving, moving carts. Moving carts, yes. Yeah. I mean, not just sitting, but actual moving carts to a billionth of a meter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it only works. You can only yeah. get either the universes to mess with each other or get one particle of light to be in two places at once yes. if you set everything accurately to a billionth of a meter. That's right. So it's hard to do. It's hard to do. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can actually tease out the fact that reality is weird. Mm -hmm. It only works if reality is weird. <laughs> That's the funny thing, right? It does work it's because it, reality is weird. It's not just math. No. If you actually follow the math and you do it the way it suggests, yes. all of a sudden you get this telescope that works better than ever. Yes. It takes better pictures than it could ever have taken. Just by I, one telescope. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so it's real, and yet the implications are kind of um, scary. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Confusing. The thing that really scares me is that that little particle of light left a star trillions of miles away, and it may have left it thousands of years ago. Yes. And somehow that particle of light already knew that it had to get through two telescopes at once. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. This is something we can't get away from. No. The light somehow, quote unquote. New. We obviously don't think photons no, have photons. brains or consciousness <laughs> no. or no things. <laughs> right, yeah. but, but there was something about the nature of that light that was determined before it even left the star. Yes. It had to know to split itself in two mm -hmm. and go down these two different telescopes. Except it doesn't split itself in two. Yeah. It's just in two places it's at once. It's just in two places at once. Yes, that's right. If it split itself in two, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't work. <laughs> okay, so something about this particle of light <laughs> knew it had to be in two places at once yes. by the time it got to Earth. Yes. And it really had to know that before it left the star. Yes, it did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and that's where we find ourselves back in this universe, mm -hmm. that as little human beings here, mm -hmm. um, we're, we're just screwed. <laughs> I mean, we have, we, we, we're confronted by the fact that we don't understand what reality is. Yes. And that's why we're in the hot tub. Yeah, because it's a good place, place to be yeah. when you don't I mean, understand what reality is. It's nice and warm. It is. It's yeah. nice and warm. We can, we can have and a we glass can make of waves. Yeah, and we, we can, can make have waves. a glass of Chardonnay. And we can talk about interference. It kind of works here. Yeah. Andrew Booth is a NASA engineer and astronomer. He's also my husband. Thanks for listening to our adventure in hot tub physics on Orbital Path from PRX. You can find some of our drier episodes at orbital.prx.org. Support for Orbital Path is provided by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More at sloan.org. This episode of Orbital Path was produced by David Shulman. Our editor is Andrea Mustaine. Special thanks to John Barth and Genevieve Sponsler toweling off back at PRX. Signing off for now, I'm Michelle Thaller. A little bit of wet stardust.